The NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, and coming soon to Louisiana. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $10, and get $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download PropSwap app. And we're brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has a $10,000 guaranteed contest for the big game, plus a 100% instant deposit match at ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. And don't forget Stable Duel. Stable Duel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play for free paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 on one entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a free to play app that lets you bet on all your favorite NFL player props for a chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com SGPN. And while you're there, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. And now time for the show. Hey, 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 thank God it's Friday, and Ryan, the rich fat baby, McKee is back on the NBA Gambling Podcast. It has been a minute. It has been longer than a minute. It's been two minutes. I don't, minutes a long time, right, in uh, Urban Dictionary. Anyway, I'm 43 years old. I don't know why I'm trying to act hip. I am so happy to be here. Uh, back on NBA Gambling Podcast. If you're new listeners, I actually started this thing a couple of years ago, and it's just been growing and growing. Moonoff and Scott and Zach and uh, and Terrell, they've been great at taking it over, keeping my baby warm, keeping it fed, keeping new listeners coming in. And now I had to leave for a while because I was so busy with my new gig at Action Network where I'm running the Action Network YouTube channel that I didn't have time during the NFL season to get on here and and do as many podcasts as I wanted. So I uh, stepped back for a minute, but now that football season is ending, NBA season is ramping up, stoked to be here. I'm going to be taking over Fridays. This is my first episode back, and I'm actually going to be calling, uh, I think I'm going to try to call these episodes something like Fast Fry Fridays, and we're going to start just right off the top, give you five best bets um, so you don't have to wait around. We're not going to preview all the games like a lot of the other uh, podcasts do on this channel because uh, I just want these episodes to be faster. Now, I already recorded with uh, Monique, the Parlay Queen, and we went a little longer than I expected because we were just so happy to talk to each other again. But um, going forward, I'm hoping these episodes will be about a half hour each. You can get in, get your best bets, and get on with your weekend because I know Friday's busy for people. You got to get your drink on. You got to get your bets in. There's a lot going on, okay? So... Moving forward, these episodes will be about a half hour. Five best bets off the top. Um, they'll do like one game preview for the game of the night, which tonight we're going to be talking, uh, or today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Cavs at the Hornets. And um, then we're going to finish up with some futures that we like. So uh, let's get into it. And 
now welcoming back to the NBA Gambling Podcast. It's been a long time. I've gotten to work with her over at the Action Network some with our uh, video content. She's been doing NBA picks for the Action Network YouTube page. Uh, she's busy with tons of other things. We can talk to her about that as well. Give it up for Monique, aka Parlay Queen. How are you? Doing really well. As you mentioned, super busy, but at this time of year, being kind of trapped in the snow here in Toronto, I am happy to be busy and I'm happy to be back with you. And finally, we were talking about it's just nice to be able to hear your voice and be able to catch up about everything. And I love that I can always talk to you about anything sports related. So just happy to be here and thank you again for having me. Awesome. We're here to talk about the NBA and I really appreciate it. We're going to start off with our five best bets for Friday and uh, we're going to kick it off with your first one. You like the Celtics minus seven and a half. Tell us why. So I like how they've been playing as of late. They've been a team that's really trending in the right direction. Winners of seven of their last 10 and three game winning streak. Can't complain from that perspective. I was a little bit shocked that it was only seven and a half as the spread. I thought it would be closer to maybe nine and a half, to be honest, just because of who they're playing. I mean, I feel like with no Cade Cunningham in the lineup and you also kind of run the risk of is Jeremy Grant going to be playing the full game, whether he you know, just, just one of those things. Cause it is the second night of a back to back. So then I kind of dig a little bit deeper in terms of the Celtics and they've been good on the road, seven and three against the spread as road favorites. And for Detroit, you kind of look at them as a whole and some of their losses have been big, big, big losses in terms of losing by considerable margins, 10 or more points. And I just don't know how they have an answer for Tatum, I guess is the best way of kind of looking at this game as a whole and I think he's going to have a huge game I think his point total is set pretty high so I'd kind of steer away from that although wouldn't be surprised to see him drop 35 40 points in a game like this and I think the Celtics just dominate from start to finish do you have a read on this game as a whole this is one I was looking at I, I think that Cade is still technically questionable so definitely yeah uh, check his status he did miss Wednesday's game um and this has come down from uh, Celtics minus eight to minus seven and a half. So uh, interesting line movement there. The only, my only concern is that the Pistons, while they've been losing some games by bigger margins recently, overall, they've been pretty good against the spread this season, uh, particularly at home, 17 and 13 at home against the spread. So any worries there? I mean, not really. I, the one thing is getting Jeremy Grant back has kind of really helped them kind of get a little bit more going offensively. But mm -hmm. just based on what we've seen, just how the Celtics have really started to look like one of those legitimate playoff contenders, obviously some a team that's just so deep that they can make it so far no matter what. And they have so many of those X factors. And I mean, I don't love to see that type of lead that the Pistons gave up in that second half um, against the Pelicans on Tuesday. I, I don't love to see that. They were they looked like they were in pretty much control of the game early. And I feel like a lot of the time when teams end up blowing a, a pretty big lead late in the game, they either come out swinging or they come out a little bit flat. And this time around, I'm hoping that they do come out a little bit flat. Um, OK, so I'm going to go with my first one. And this is something that I don't necessarily like to do is fade Josh Giddy because I've really <laughs> been a fan of watching him this season. However, uh, he's averaging 5.2 assists over his last 10 games. And 
the line I'm seeing right now for his assist prop is seven and a half. That's considerably two, yeah. two assists higher than his average over the last 10 games. That's considerable. Um, he is a little over six on the season assists per game. And uh, I, I think this the reason why the books are pushing this up is he's a popular player right now. People are talking about him. He's a dark horse for rookie of the year. Um, and with uh, Gilgus Alexander going out for the last couple of games, I think people are thinking, oh, he's going to get the ball more. He's going to be in charge of the ball more. So he'll be dishing out more assists. And while that was true last game, he had 10 assists in the o- overtime win uh, against Dallas in the last 10 games, he would have only gone over that seven and a half one other time in the first game with shy out. He only had four assists. So go ahead and fade. Uh, giddy there i take the under you can get that at close to even money even because i think a lot of people are going to want to bet the over on him because he's a popular player right now uh any thoughts on giddy so i like that actually so for me a lot of the time you know you you do get exactly what you mentioned with a player being out you well the public or well sorry i apologize the uh the books tend to assume that certain players will get more touches and get more attempts and will get more playing time as a whole and that's that's a huge thing and of course that's something to factor in but you're right you bring up a lot of good points i just pulled up his stats too and you know he got 10 assists in the most recent game but then you see four five six three three and then kind of look at the game as a whole and you got to factor in what type of shooting you think OKC is going to do do you think they're going to have that type of efficiency and if you don't then that's an easier bet and that's even more kind of evidence to support why you would like the under there but yeah a lot of the time I do really like to look at it the same way that you do too and look at those most recent couple of stats and look at it and I do think it is a little bit overvalued from that perspective too. And then you kind of look at the game and the the spread in the game as well. And do we really think it's going to be one of those close contests and even the, just the total as a whole, I mean, it, it certainly looks like it's going to be a lower scoring game. So I really do like the under there. Next best bet. uh, You got Jokic over 26 and a half points. I do. And I mean, I think he's going to have a huge, huge game based on just how the Pelicans have been really poor on both sides of the floor. I think it really sets up well for Jokic. I love that he sat out on the tail end of the back-to-back and he's going to be a lot fresher this game. And he's just overall put up huge numbers versus the Pelicans. I looked deeper into a lot of the stats as a whole in the games in the, in the head-to-head and he's had a triple-double in back-to-back contests and no less than 32 points in three of their last four in the head-to-head. So I see the number at 20 26 and a half minus 110. I think it's a great number in terms of those points. The PRA is high. I think it's 47 and a half. I feel a little bit more confident in terms of just betting the points, although PRA is fine too. But a lot of the times I feel like, you know, when you do have that 20 rebounds assist kind of um, cushion in terms of Jokic, I mean, he's going to put up huge numbers. We know rebounding and assisting as well, but I think his point total is set pretty low in this matchup. Agreed. Agreed. I like that as well. And he's, there's been two, he had two stretches in November where he sat out and his first game back looked great in both times. And uh, this is one thing I wanted to talk about for the next uh, bet we're talking about is uh, Denver, when they're coming off of Jokic sitters, they sitting, they beat Atlanta by nine and they beat Miami by nine. So I have a feeling they're going to 
easily take care of the Pelicans tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the Pelicans have been pretty good about keeping it close for most of the game, especially in the fourth quarter, which means they probably won't sit the Joker in the fourth quarter, right? He'll still be having to get up points. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, I do think the game, although, you know, maybe kind of tipping your hand a little bit. I know we both like the nuggets in there. I do think the game's going to be pretty close. I think it's going to be close for, for the most part because there's really nothing worse than your player being one point, one rebound away and it just being a blowout game. And that's sometimes a lot of the times too where you have these players, these superstar players that put up huge numbers and they end up sitting the fourth quarter. So like you said, I do think he's going to be playing the entire game. And I mean, just as fresh as he has been, I think it's uh, it's just a great spot to see him put up big numbers that we're kind of accustomed to seeing out of him. And and the playing time, I think, is going to be big. He's going to be logging big minutes, I would, I would assume. So we have already tipped that we do both like the <laughs> Nuggets minus six at home. And uh, while we are saying that we expect this to not be a blowout, um, and I, I mean that because I do think the Pelicans will make a run in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. making uh, Joker stay in in the fourth quarter. I do still like them against the spread. They're four and one against the spread in their last five games. Um, and the other thing that I, I noticed this morning is professional money really started pouring in heavy, heavy on Denver, moving the line from minus five and a half to minus six. So the Sharps are really liking Denver here. Why do you like him? So I like him for many of the reasons. I think if Jokic ends up putting up 30, 40 points, maybe more than that, I think there's no slowing him down. And I think that just if you have a player that can put up those kind of numbers consistently and in this matchup, they're not going to lose this contest. And just based on the Pelicans as a whole, just they haven't been great on either side of the floor. Uh, they haven't been efficient on the road is another thing too. So that's one thing to, to really kind of consider in this matchup, I would say. Um, just their their lack of success on there and also just in their most recent couple of contests too uh, they've been held under 100 points in two of their last three games so as much as the Nuggets have been kind of not the Nuggets we're used to seeing on the defensive side of the floor they just play so much better at home so I think they're gonna have a lot of success from that perspective agreed and if that minus six makes you nervous for whatever reason. I also like Denver in the first half spread. Uh, you can get that like minus three, it looks like right mm. now. Uh, Denver against the spread in first halves are, are 26 and 20, 22 and two on the season. And wow. they're covering by uh, by three points on average. So, so yeah, I also like them in the first half. I like that too. I kind of even looked into the first quarter as well too, just looking at that. That's a little bit riskier too though, because sometimes you just don't get out to a good start or a team gets in a bonus early. And then, you know, I always kind of look at that. And of course, Denver been so efficient in the first quarter as well, but there's a big discrepancy between first quarter and first half. They just score so many in that second quarter. So I really do like that play as well. And and speaking of first quarter bets, uh, my last one that I'm going to do for a best bet is I really do like Portland in the first quarter versus OKC. We talked a little bit about this game already, but Portland has been one of the best first quarter teams. They've gone 10 and three straight up and against the spread and uh, in their last 11 games uh, and they're fifth in first quarter net rating. 
Uh, McCollum is back healthy. They always seem to really start off like a ball of fire. That game scares me. I stayed away from that game so much. Portland is just so hard to predict. They're just an entirely, entirely different team, obviously, without Dame. And they've been playing well. A lot of players have really stepped up in his absence. And I think that really bodes well for them. But there's just so many injuries on both sides that it really scares me from that perspective. But they have been keeping it close. And you're right. And getting out to a good start is going to be imperative for them to get a win. So I think you could be onto something, but I'm just terrified of that game as a whole, whether it be early on in any first quarter, first half, or just the game as a whole, but they should be able to get it done at home. And now for a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. WinBet is now beginning pre-registration for the state of Louisiana. Bet $10, and regardless of the outcome, you'll receive an extra $250 in free bets when WinBet goes live in Louisiana. All new customers have a chance to win $200 in free bets with a $10 bet, okay? Don't forget about all the props that are available on WinBet for the Super Bowl. Best part, you can build your own bet to create a prop-focused same-game parlay for the big game, okay? So make sure to head over to WinBet, W-Y-N-N, bet.com, or download the WinBet app today. It's the best! Game of the Night, which I have uh, gone along with NBA TV's suggestion, and that's the game that they're <laughs> airing tonight, is Cavs at Hornets with the uh, a lot of young stars there to look forward to watching. Unfortunately, Garland is out, uh, it, it's looking like. Um, and you had sent me as one of your best bets as well that you liked the Cavs here in New Orleans, or I'm sorry, in New Orleans. They're not the New Orleans Hornets anymore. They're the Charlotte Hornets. I should know that. I'm living in North Carolina now. Uh, they're in Charlotte. Uh, tell me why you like the Cavs so much here. So I've been kind of watching the line movement on there, and I was hoping to maybe get Cavs at a bigger number, but plus four and a half because of no Garland. I mean, that's obviously a huge thing. But I really like looking into kind of a little bit deeper the team as a whole. Now, obviously, they've been so, so good. And what I found really interesting was the last time that they ended up dropping two in a row was back towards the end of November. So this is a team that rebounds really well off of a loss. I thought they looked, I mean, that Rockets loss was so, so, so disappointing. As a team, they they shot well from the floor. It's just... I mean, I, I don't really know how the game ended up slipping away from them because they were competitive. That second quarter, I think, ultimately ended up costing them and they couldn't really re-rally. So I think they're going to rebound in a big way um, and uh, come out swinging, I would say. Now, their defensive play has just been so awesome. So I think that's what really kind of gives them the big edge in that matchup. And as I was mentioning, kind of watching that line movement, I think it's going to stay pretty steady at four and a half. So as much as I would love to be able to get five, five and a half as a number, I just think with how the Cavs have been playing their record and, you know, I think they're going to be able to, to adjust without Garland in the lineup. I think they have enough depth and offensive weapons and the defense, I think will be able to carry them in this matchup. What do you think of it? One thing that, is a bit of a red flag to me is I didn't like how uh, Brandon Goodwin played on Wednesday as the starting point guard. I don't feel like he really has that where he can run a team. Um, and I'm yeah. wondering why they only played Rondo 15 minutes. Uh, do we think he's maybe still banged up? Cause I feel like he should be starting and running this from the point guards perspective with Garland out. Yeah, you would think so. I don't know. It's, it's, 
it's strange. I, I have no idea why. I mean, he hasn't been playing many minutes whatsoever as a whole. So it's got to be that he has been has been banged up and just maybe they just kind of want to have him there just for his for his leadership, what he does bring. And maybe it's just kind of one of those things where they want to keep him playing on a low level to kind of protect him. Because, you know, when you get up there, what is he, 35, 36, it's, you get up there in age, you're going to need him later. So maybe they are just being a little bit more cautious with him. That's what I would like to presume. But yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. But I kind of challenge that with Goodwin too, and kind of look at it and say, okay, that's what, how many minutes a game is he averaging as a whole? 16.4. And then you have him play 27 minutes versus the Pels and then 32 minutes versus the Rockets. So maybe it was a little bit of fatigue. Maybe he'll get a little bit more um, accustomed to a role that he's not used to playing so much in terms of so many minutes and having such an important impact. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be the X factor, of course, by no stretch of the imagination, but I do think he'll be a lot better having um, a couple more starts to his name. Mm -hmm. Well, Gordon Hayward is questionable, which would definitely help the Cavs and uh, marketing is out as well. Um, Cavs just haven't been that good against the spread in their last seven games. I'm seeing them as one in six against the spread. Uh, It they've just been playing closer games than they, they started off obviously like a ball of fire. Nobody saw this coming. Um, Mobley has just been such a difference maker on the defensive end in his rookie year. uh, Which is why he's running away with the rookie of the year odds Mm -hmm. right now, which we'll talk about in a second when we uh, discuss the futures that we're looking at. Um, I will probably bet on the Cavs uh, with what you're saying. I like the Cavs a little more though in the first quarter and first half. They've been the best team this season against the spread in the first quarter and the first half. And the Hornets have not been they're well under 500 for the first quarter, first half. Uh, any thoughts on uh, maybe doing that instead? Hmm. I don't want to be the one to convince you to go on the Cavs here because when you're without one of your best players, it's so tough to win. But they're just like lots of things that I do like about it too. And then I do think that if you think that Goodwin may need a little bit more time kind of being adjusted to, to the new role for the time being, then maybe they do get out to a slower start. I know the, the thing that's tough too is that all statistics point to them being good early on but when you do have such a considerable difference in terms of your lineup then it's difficult to really hold all that much weight to, to stats in terms mm-hmm. of early points in the first quarter so I would kind of deter away from that as a whole um, but then also you kind of run into you can get out to a hot start but then you know when you're without one of your best players then it kind of catches up to you late in the game where you rely on that scoring so it kind of does work both ways for me personally I just kind of like looking at it as a whole but you know it's it's hard to to ignore how good they have been early on in games that being Cleveland especially at home right uh we're talking about the sorry I need away from home yeah 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 talk about the Hornets (laughs) here they uh, the Cavs have been very good on the road especially against the spread especially as underdogs uh the Hornets are one and four in their last five games against the spread. So it's not like they've been that much better. Um, I mean, LaMelo, obviously super exciting player. Love how well he and Bridges have been playing together. Mm -hmm. They're pretty healthy right now with the exception of Hayward, but he's been a little touch and go his last like six years in the league anyway. (laughs) So um, where are you on the Hornets right now? 
they're just a tough team. I mean, they're nice. I think when you have a team that's just been pretty average for so long, it might take a little bit of time to to really start to to mesh and to to blend well. And then the problem is they're in the Eastern Conference, and when we have these surprise teams showing up, like the Cavaliers, uh, the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, all these teams are teams that have progressively been just getting better and better and better. And you know, you have the Hornets, where who are they going to play in the first round? And it's difficult from that perspective to look at. And I kind of look at it like a whole, but can't help but notice how how much better they have been as of late, and how their team seems to really have a lot of the key pieces that I think they're going to have for a long, long time, which really helps them to to kind of get better and to grow as, as an organization and as a team. But I think we're just early on them. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, these are both two great teams of the future, right? We can see their lineups of the future coming together. We can see these pieces lining up. I mean, I don't think like the, the Gordon Haywards and the Kevin loves of of this team won't be there in a couple of years, uh, but we are already seeing the pieces they need in place to Mm -hmm. compete for a long time, as long as they can keep them happy. Um, and I'm seeing the professional money really coming in on the side of the Hornets as well as the public money, but I'm with you. I like the Cavs here more. I, I, we haven't seen them put up two bad games in a row often this season. And, um, so I'm going to go ahead and take the points. I'm going to be with you on this one and I'm going to avoid the first half. I'm going to avoid the first half. You're right. That's, (laughs) I, I, I feel like. The Cavs have been great in the first half this year, but with Goodwin possibly starting or maybe Rondo, we're not really sure. Uh, it seems like too many question marks there for to jump on that first quarter or first half. I think so, especially you bring up a lot of good points with him too. And just how well, when you look at a team as a whole and you look at Cleveland, how they're holding their opponents to under or 44.2% shooting, holding them to a good number in terms of points per game. I think it's kind of foolish to kind of narrow in in case they do get out to a slow start. You don't want to be punished from that perspective because overall as a whole, I think the Cavs are going to be super efficient the entire game. And I think they're one of those teams that have the, the capability of being able to turn it around in the second half, not be one of those teams that if the start is not good, they just kind of roll over and die. I think the Cavs will be fighting in this game and you know, you do have you do have reasons for them to be dogs in this matchup of course being on the road as we mentioned being without one of your star players I think that's every single type of reason for them to be dogs but I think they can win this one straight up but I think grabbing the points is is obviously a much better play yeah as far as the player matchup on the floor the that uh, the Hornets have struggled with larger teams this year because they only really have Mason Plumley in the paint yeah. to really guard them. And while the the Cavs have been great with their larger lineups, marketing is out uh, as we mentioned, but we've uh, still got Mobley there. We've still got Allen there in the paint. So uh, I actually uh, went to the Suns Charlotte game uh, last month in person, and I got to see how the Suns big men just really cleaned up on 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 charlotte they were able to do anything they <laughs> yeah. wanted in the paint because when you only have homely there eh, not much of a deterrent 
You're right. You're right. You bring up a lot of good points too. And then being able to know that you're going to have some, well, a lot more offensive efficiency in the paint, just because of, you know, your size versus theirs. It, it really, I would say, I would assume gives a lot more confidence and can give you a lot more easier of those baskets and opens the door up for those offensive rebounds, I would say too, which a lot of the time will result in, in, some t- in two points at the very least, or a trip to the free throw line. Great. Great. All right. So let's get to our futures and then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, I, cause I know you're super busy. We, <laughs> uh, since we were talking about, uh, uh, two future, uh, the future is bright teams. We'll can start with the rookie of the year. I'm seeing Mobley as a consensus, uh, minus two seventy eight favorite for rookie of the yeah. year. We've got Cade at plus 600. Uh, we've got your Scotty Barnes at plus mm-hmm. 700 as a Toronto fan. Um, any <laughs> chance that Barnes can jump up into that top spot? It's so tough. And the one thing that kind of deters me from rookie of the year is because you do end up getting a player that becomes an overwhelming favorite pretty early on. And then pending their health stays the same and they're playing those games, they're probably going to run away with it but you did see I remember Zion uh he was just at one point such an overwhelming choice and then missed so much time and I still thought he at certain points after coming back had an opportunity to win that and of course we know what ended up happening from that perspective and I don't think it was the wrong decision by any stretch of the imagination but based on what we've seen out of Evan Mobley it's his to lose as long as he can stay healthy you know he is playing huge minutes which really helps him um he's playing for for a team that's just performing so so well that you have that going for him he's getting the attempts he's putting up huge rebounding numbers his stats really really speak for himself and I mean he's just an overwhelming choice for me in here but as for Scotty Barnes it's it's one of those surprise players that come out of kind of you don't expect them to do as well as they are. And he, again, is just putting up huge numbers. Field goal percentage is great. Three points are great. But the Raptors just, you know, it's just <laughs> the Raptors. That's the problem. <laughs> and, and it's tough because I do feel like so much of it is influenced by a player that's performing so well on a team that's also doing well. And as much as we kind of want to look at it and not have that affect us in terms of a bias, I really think it, it's, it's a huge influencing factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Moby is putting up a lot of big minutes, and he is a physical player. So I guess you could say that. I mean, at, at that number, I don't think that is any value is is taking oh, him no. as as a as that big of a favorite. Um, but if he's playing a lot of minutes, he plays very physical. He he's a big. We've seen big guys who play physical get banged up and have to sit out. So mm-hmm. would you? dart throw on a Barnes at plus 700 or maybe a Wagner at uh, plus uh, 1400. Uh, we've got Giddy at 25 to one. Uh, I, if anything, see, the thing is though, because when I do kind of look at the number and I see, and I, I think he's kind of a shoe into winning pending his health, it's so difficult for me to kind of look for anyone else that's kind of offering value. I just, I don't see someone like like Bards being able to do it, although his defensive performance has been great. So you kind of have that going for him. Wagner's a tough one. I mean, he's put up really good numbers, kind of. When did he start putting up those really good numbers? I think in December was kind of when we first started mm-hmm. to really notice yeah. them. And he's put up huge. He's had a huge career high and it was close to 40 points. He's looked good. 
uh, it's tough from that perspective. I guess Cade is one that's an interesting option, but is he second or third choice? He's second right now at plus 600. Um, His, the team is so bad and he seemed to be getting banged up more than these other players. So I'm wondering if he's just, if at what, at some point the Pistons might just shelve him more. Yeah. They're not trying to win. It's tough. That's a tough one too, because I mean, based on his stats, based on him being expected to be as good as he has, the, I mean, he's putting up great numbers and you, you mentioned it, the kind of getting banged up is, is something to consider. And then, you know, of course the Pistons we know are rebuilding. He's seeing a lot lower in terms of minutes played than some of the other people considered for, um, for rookie of the year. So it's so tough to be honest, as much as I'd love to give out a play that is, you know, plus 1200 or, or just good value. I just, I find it hard to I find it hard to do that. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, you can't play Mobley at his price right now, but I think I just yeah. have to pass as much as I don't want. I think to. I have to pass as well, just yeah. because I, I don't see if Mobley gets injured. That's one thing, but um, he's just been playing so well. And I know. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the these other teams are mostly playing for the future. They're not playing for this year. So I, uh, I, I don't see them running these guys a lot of big minutes like Mobley is getting. So, uh, all right. So we, we're staying away from rookie of the year. Anything you like with the MVP, we've got Embiid at plus, uh, 225. We've got, uh, Jokic at plus six or plus 300. Sorry. Uh, Giannis at plus 350 Curry plus 450, uh, Ja at plus, uh, 1400. And then all the way down, uh, we've got my sons, uh, Chris Paul <laughs> at 42 to one and Booker at 44 to one. Here's, here's something weird. I, I kind of feel like the Suns are going to continue being the best team in the league. Yeah. So if you're able to grab a Chris Paul or Booker at 44 to one, and those numbers, I don't think either of them will win the MVP, but if those numbers improve, you can probably sell that ticket for a profit on PropSwap or mm. one of those type of sites. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I like looking at it from that perspective, too, is that that's that's a good point, too, is that you're getting probably, well, almost surely the highest odds you're going to be getting at any point to bet one of those players for MVP. So get them when the number is high, even if you sprinkle a little bit. I feel like some of those players can have those are two players that I think legitimately can be able to make enough of an impact that it's worth sprinkling a little bit of money on it when you're getting such big prices like that. I struggle with MVP. I I've never loved this bet at all. It's just, it's so tough for me. Cause then you look at it, unless you're betting it's so, so early and you're getting 10 to one on somebody you're looking at it and you see Embiid at a low number, Jokic at a low number. Giannis is always at a low number. Steph, and there isn't much that differentiates those three players too. So I kind of look at it and I just don't think it's worth it given you're getting plus 225, plus 300. I just don't see it being worth it. And I'm also just, to be completely blunt, not very good at this bet. I, for some reason, <laughs> one way or another, I don't know. I don't know 
maybe I just don't know exactly how, you know, the, the voting is really considered it's so tough when you're kind of banking on other people to do the voting for you. So you kind yeah. of look at it from that. And, you know, when you have a, a player that puts up such overwhelming numbers and it's so, so, so obvious, I just, I struggle. So similar to you, I would kind of look for those value players rather than try to differentiate between four or five players that there isn't much that separates them. Do you like yeah. anyone at a shorter price? No, I don't because I I'm I think that Embiid right now should win it, but there's a and, and not just with the numbers he's putting up, but also with the storyline, right? All this, yes. all the voters that feel sorry for him with the Ben Simmons drama going on, and he's just gone out there and been his best self. However, we've seen Embiid get banged up more than just about than any of these other players uh, on the favorites for MVP. Mm-hmm. So there's a very good chance he sits out a bunch of games in the second half of the season with all the minutes he's playing with the load he's taking. Um, but it'll be interesting to see with the, the trade deadline coming up, if they are actually able to deal Simmons mm-hmm. and what that does for uh, Embiid's value. Yeah. You, you know, I like to look into the numbers as a whole and kind of look at MVP. I guess I, I can't, I can't bet it. Just, I feel like it's one of those bets that I, I've gotten allergic to over the years, just because I, I get so, I get nervous when I look at it and I'm, I, I read too much into it and I try to judge it based on stats and impact and what I think moving forward, but looking at it and looking at some of the numbers, you know, the MVP is coming from a team that's, you know, one of those elite teams. And I'm looking at a stat right now since 1985, only three times has the MVP come from a team that didn't finish first or second in the conference. So that kind of is, mm. is a good one to look at. And then yeah. the awards by position too, this surprised me. I didn't think there was such a big discrepancy. Um, so this was since, I believe, 1999, if I'm not mistaken. It's not particularly clear in it. Or maybe it's as a whole. Uh, so the MVP awards by position. Center has won 27 times. Then point guard 11, power forward 10, small forward 9, and shooting guard 8. So that's that's huge. I didn't, I mean, you would presume based on some of the the impacts we've seen, especially as of late with some, with some of the, the centers in the league, of course, that would definitely be um, one that I would assume would be the, the highest in terms of awards by that position. But I didn't think it was, it was double plus some. So 27 to 11, the next Yeah, lowest. wow. Well, I mean, and certainly the league has changed a lot uh, when centers used to be a lot more important than they are now. But um, I mean, obviously Joker won it last year at the center position, even though he doesn't mm-hmm. play the traditional center type of position. Then you have Shaq, of course, for yeah, <laughs> as right. dominant as it gets winning that. This, I don't even know how many times he won that. But yeah, it's interesting. And of course, that we, we obviously see that shift into, you know, valuing, at least in terms of MVP, Steph won it back to back. I remember in um, 14, 15, and then 15, 16. And then, you know, Giannis, of course, with those two back to back years. So it's a tough one because unlike a lot of these awards in, in different sports, you can win it back to back. And we see it fairly frequently in terms of players doubling up in terms of that. I mean, we saw LeBron James so many times do exactly that in back-to-back years. So it's a tough one for me to, to, to bet, I would say for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Monique, for joining me today. I've kept you a little longer than I promised. So apologies for that. I'm just having such a good time talking to you. 
People can find you on Twitter at Parlay Queen. They can read your NBA or uh, they can read your NFL column on covers.com. They can see you pick games on the Action Network for the NBA every Thursday. Anything else you'd like to plug before I let you go? Uh, no, I mean, Twitter is the best way to, to see what I'm keeping up to. And of course I work for Woodbine Racetrack. So I know it's, um, it's one of those things. A lot of people are, are not particularly privy to horse racing as a whole, but I just find it so interesting in terms of the opportunities to wager. So I always say it's one of the rare, rare opportunities in your life where, you know, from a wagering perspective, you can bet a dollar and on huge days and that's thoroughbred racing, you can turn a dollar into a million dollars and you you can really do that now you need to be as sharp of a handicapper as you as you are but you know there are those opportunities to get life-changing scores and not wager a lot of money and i find in sports betting a lot of the time it's so difficult to find one of those 50 to one shots or some of those parlays i know i know we see them some of those crazy parlays where people are turning five bucks into five hundred thousand, but it's something that happens more often than you think in racing. So it's always something I think, you know, get yourself out to a racetrack when you can and familiarize yourself with it because from a handicapping perspective and from a betting perspective, the opportunities are so great and it's so exciting. So definitely have to plug my racetrack for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a big fan of horse racing. My wife and I both are, and uh, I have gone so many times. I've never won big at the horse track, but I've gone (laughs) and spent like, $25 on betting and had a really fun day because you can do that with those long shots all day long. Yeah. And the thing that's most interesting too, is unlike it being fixed odds in sports wagering, we have pair mutual wagering. So you are um, dependent on how many other people are betting your horse or betting the combination wager. So what we call like a pick five, pick three, pick four, where you're picking four consecutive races, the payout is based on how many tickets are live. So it's great. It works both ways. I mean, it's great if you're the only person holding it because you're looking at holding a ticket, you're looking at winning the entire pool. So it's difficult to kind of sometimes predict how much you're going to win if you are winning, but it's a lot easier when you kind of look at it through like the standard win place and shows, but it's just a fun thing. It's just racing is, is one of those things where, you know, for our track, we race all year long. So there's always that type of action and it's, it's a fun thing to get into. So if anyone has any questions about it or anything, I would always love to help. And it's, um, it's, it's another thing to do and it's another sport to watch. So I'm always in favor of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love the horse racing. Okay. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna